0: Working mothers are not a new phenomenon. In fact, there are more of us now than ever before, whether through choice or necessity, working mums are here to stay. And that comes with its own fair share of mother guilt and a heavy domestic and emotional load. Women are earning an income coming home and starting the second shift of housework, cleaning, cooking and looking after children. And while none of this is new, many workplaces haven't shifted to allow for flexible hours. And even when some have, the burden of domestic and emotional work still rests, for the most part, with women. So what's to be done? Marion Baird, Professor of Gender and Employment Relations at the University of Sydney, and Louise Dunham, who is the CEO of Placement Solutions, which is a nanny recruitment agency, are here to tease this out a little bit. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank just, you very much. Just starting with a small, small problem. Yes. <laughs> Mar- and growing
1: problem. <laughs> yeah.
0: Marion, um, has industry been slow to recognise how Australian families have changed. That is, a lot of families now have two working parents, not just one. I think the picture is
1: quite varied, to be honest. So I I don't want to sort of say across the board that they've been slow. Some employers and some sectors of industry have responded They've responded more, however, to the role of mothers in the workplace. Not always perfectly, but there has been a response. The response to fathers taking leave or assisting with the care has been much, much slower. And if we put the two of those together, you know, going to your introduction, most households these days have two working parents. And it's partly because employers haven't responded to the father's role uh, and men's roles in the same way as they have to women's, that women are actually carrying the burden more, if you like. You know, we have this sort of perverse outcome as a result of that. Um, When we talk about
0: the domestic load, so it might be what we're talking about is the unpaid work. Yes. um, You mentioned that it does tend to fall more to women than men. Do we have a sense of how much time working women are dedicating to the domestic load?
1: Uh yes, look, thanks. That's a great question because one of the areas we where we really want to collect more information is about the load and what we call um the timeshare. We used to, the ABS, just as a sort of a backstory to this, used, used to collect data through something called time diaries. Unfortunately, we don't collect that data anymore in Australia, which is a real problem because we don't have up-to-date stats on who's doing what work. Um, and there's a bit of a movement to try and get that re, um, reinstigated so that we can get that really true data. But what we do know is that women do do... The greater proportion, something like two-thirds, three-quarters of the domestic work and men do less. Um, And most of that is, well, all of that is unpaid or non-market work. We also know that a lot of work is outsourced um, either to parts of the economy that are um, legitimate, some not in the sort of... um, what will I call it, the black economy, as most people used to refer to it, but also to grandparents um, who pick up a lot of that extra care um, that families and households need.
0: Louise, what's your take on this? Um, You represent and help families find nannies. In my experience, um, when I have heard of people who have nannies, they're really taking this domestic load not just through looking after the children but also um, doing things around the house and they're not doing that oh I've got a big shake of the head there this is good clarify it for me.
2: Nannies are professional proactive child carers they do housework related to the children only and they are not cleaners or window sweepers, window cleaners, or anything else. they Their role is solely related to the care of the children. And uh, there are so many urban myths, if you like, about nannies. For a start, globally, and in Australia, most nannies are working under the table, cash in hand, part of the black economy, or whatever you want to call it. And I think that uh, having... Nanny's working is the first thing that I think parents need to really think through is the quality of the care that they're going to have in their home. And it becomes a bigger issue. It's not just about outsourcing and getting people into the home to to take up the burden of childcare or whatever the particular domestic task is that you might need help with. It is a matter of the whole thing working so that the people that are working for you are paid legally, paid properly and are part of the solution and really seen as being part of the solution, not a, an amendment to it.
0: Marion, could I pick up there with what Louise was saying in terms of um, particularly that idea of the black market? Mm. So the conflict for me seems to be that um, when I talk about, I guess society as a whole not shifting to understand that there's two working parents and things have to give. Mm. So you can't keep doing everything. There was this fantastic video that you were in. Um, I'm going to... Uh, it's it's WHIMN, W-H-I-M-N, and we'll put a link up on the website where it took a woman through the working day, a journalist, and all this st- stuff she was trying to do. So something's got to give in that respect. Um, and the conflict to me seems to be that the black market comes alive because people's wages aren't necessarily rising, but they have this need to get these things done. And so then they start paying people under the table because... They, there might not be a set rate, might be, um, if it's not through a professional agency, then they might, it'll be lower, potentially. Uh, they can ask that person to do certain things that, as you said, Louise, and nanny, nanny doesn't clean, for example, unless it's related to the children. But they can say, right, I'm going to spend 20 bucks an hour on this person and I want them to clean the dishes and change the beds. They can do that um, because there's no regulation, but also they're feeling like they're pushed and they're they're trying to find solutions, but those solutions aren't there that are affordable for them.
1: I'm sure Louise knows much more about the actual nanny situation. So I'll talk about the sort of structural issues that I think you're really touching on there. Look, it's quite true that households in those situations, and many of us have been in that situation where you've just got to find some extra help. And we don't have a fully fledged industrial, i put it that way, sector that um, provides domestic care and help. We just haven't really developed that. We also have a very underdeveloped childcare system, as most people know, and it's very expensive, especially in certain city areas. Um, so in a, in a way, what's happened in Australia is we, we're very short on the structural foundations to enable um, mothers and fathers to both work. And... What's happened as a result of that is that people seek their own solutions, and a lot of those solutions are found through this completely unregulated economy where there's no protection, there's no surveillance, there's no quality control for either the children or the workers, Um, and look, I can see how that's arisen. But the problem is how do we shift the structures in which we work in order to sort of get rid of that part of the economy? It will cost money. I mean, I think people have to recognise that. And I mean, I'm sure Louise can pick up on these issues. We have to pay. People have to realise that. The other thing that households do, and I I just want to put, put this in people's minds, is that we usually say the mother's wage can't afford it. But in fact, the children are the product of both. And we should be thinking of... What what's his wage as well as my wage, and maybe you know we have to recalibrate how we um, how how we value that care, and maybe we have to pay as much for the care as we do for the cars that we're we're riding around in. You know, we have to rethink. I think the fundamentals of payment and care and the value of it. If we go
0: to the the value of the care that we're asking for, Louise, I know that you have things you want to say. I just want to ask this question. Is that um, unregulated, uh, sort of under the table economy? Is that, uh, is that a big problem that you see affecting nannies, professional nannies today?
2: It is a big problem in those that are not working through agencies, but I want to refute some of the regulations. In Australia, we actually have come quite a long mm. way. We've had the in-home care standards, which was set by That's a Senate true. steering committee, and I sat on that committee. We've had those in place since 2007. We've got the draft national in-home care guidelines that are being considered for the new childcare package at the moment, and there are are some great recommendations in the draft guidelines. One of the first ones are that nannies, also to be known as educators, early childhood educators, and that's a shift in it, emphasis too, must be qualified, at least to assert three. This is a great development. The second thing is that agencies will be encouraged to Employ nannies or see that they are employed. When I say nannies, I mean nannies educators. Uh, The third thing is that we are encouraged to educate the greater public about the in-home care standards.
0: I was going to say that. And that is a starting
2: point. None of that's perfect, Mm. but it's a starting point. And look, I totally take Marion's viewpoint that we have to have a different way of thinking about Mm. this. We have to come up with a, a new way of thinking that incorporates women's salaries, but almost Women have gone out to work, but they've taken on the old role model, which is of being a breadwinner with someone at home doing all the work. That doesn't exist anymore. We've got to come up with a new system. And in childcare, we've got to come up with a system that isn't a hodgepodge of Band-Aid solutions, but is a whole new way of looking at it. If we take what is happening now,
0: though, because I, when you mentioned the standards, I hadn't heard about them. And to be honest, from my position when I, my husband and I both working, um, going back to the video of the woman doing the double drop off, the stress of that, the times that I've had someone who was able to help me care for my children, and I'm talking about family here who are actually in the home when I left, it, it's phenomenally different. It feels to me um, in a way that that 's that village we always talk about but never experience, and seems to me the, the great benefit of having a child could educate it in your home, but also at the same time, I feel like I would never be able to afford it, even if it was if I wanted to do it the right way i mean i 'm not going to do it the wrong way don 't worry the <laughs> ways, but if I wanted to do it the right way, if I wanted to and this is what I found when we were in a pickle at one point and I was like, I, th- I think we 're just going to have to get a nanny. The people who came forward to me, no one was through an agency. The pe- my contacts, and I'm middle class, not rich by any means, but the people who came forward to me were all going through word of mouth. And at the time, I remember saying to someone, well, how do you know that you can trust them? How do you know they're any good? How do you know what you expect of them? And I'm, I'm thinking that the standards that you were talking about, Louise, help put that in place. But the big hurdle for me is is the cost. And I'm wondering is, is when you say we need to shift how we think about it and incomes may not change, are we talking about cost as in something that the government helps yeah, us with? I think and that's the shift that needs to happen?
1: I think it's a bit of both. I do think we need to have if the government wants more women to work, and they do, and there is a a G20 statement that the government has committed to, to increase female participation, then there has to be more support to enable that to happen. You just can't do it in the stressed system that we have at the moment. So, I mean, I do think we need a better government subsidy for childcare, whether that includes in-home childcare or centre-based childcare. And as Louisa said, it needs to be integrated rather than this patchwork system that parents have to try and piece together all the time. Um, We do need a system that covers infant care, preschool care and then after school care because that's the other area that parents struggle with.
0: Yeah, it's huge. Louise, when we talk about professional nannies... Clare, what what is it? Tell us what that picture looks like.
2: Okay, a professional nanny is an energetic, enthusiastic, proactive child care professional who cares solely for children. The only house. This is an International Nanny Association definition, by the way. I say she because most of them are, but I'm being trying to be gender neutral. Most of them are female doing this work. They need to be honest. They need to have integrity. And they need, and I'm going to say it out loud, not be a tax cheat. So we need it coming from the nannies, educators, as well as coming for the from the parents. And I know the sticking point is affordability with that. I'm going to say it too, Nannies, like everybody else in Australia, deserve to be paid legally and properly. We've had a history in this country of having free nannies through the convict system, then assisted immigration, they were practically free, stolen generations who were taken off to uh, uh, training colleges where they were trained in domestic servitude. And then mothers that stayed at home. I mean, I'm generalising very broadly, which was how I was raised in the the 50s. And now we've had a movement of women being qualified, trained, keen to get back into the workforce. But the people that they are working with have got to go along with this ride for equality. They've got to be paid properly to.
0: Isn't it It's kind of ironic situation isn't it that you're talking on one hand about allowing women to get in the workforce so they need this help but at the same time those women are are being left out of the picture because we're not paying them properly. Louise can you tell us where we're at with the childcare subsidy for nannies because I know there were pilot programs that went on and but I just don't know where it at where it's at now.
2: Well I don't represent the government but the the uh Draft guidelines were reviewed until the 12th of January. The statements for in-home care will come out in March. There's been a a change to a brokerage model, so there will be in each state a uh, support agency who will make sure essentially that the... uh, nanny educators are being trained, that their qualifications are working and that those agencies that have got government funding are doing the right thing and following the in-home care standards. So this can be a great thing. How we then spread it out to the approximately 65% of people in Australia that are working as nannies under the table, uh, I'm not sure how we do that except by broad education.
0: Mm. And uh, we've talked about parents who are both working at the same time, how they might need um, the support of an in-home child carer, an educator. Louise, what about the um, shift workers? What about um, children with special needs? Do you see nannies having a particular role here? Because they seem like that they could really be helpful.
2: Look, uh, the government approved in-home childcare scheme, and we also have private nannies, etc. as well, but that is specifically geared to those in rural and remote areas working non-standard hours and children with special needs under the old in-home care scheme they were covered and this means that they're eligible for government rebates private nannies not nanny pilot was rolled out for a year and a half we took part in it in victoria it didn't work for a whole lot of reasons i'm not really going to go in here into here but uh, uh, it is anticipated in the future that children with special needs because depending what those special needs are but that they will be helped through the NDIS scheme. Okay. There's always the option of people going private to and tailoring their own package to suit them providing it fits within a proper job description and isn't involving exploitation kind of blurring into the edges of seeing as you're looking after the child would you mind you know, cooking as a meal and washing the floor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you need a
2: household of
0: mm. staff then. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Louise Dunham, who's the CEO of Placement Solutions, which is a nanny recruitment agency, and Marianne Baird, who's a Professor professor of Gender and Employment Relations at the University of Sydney. And we've been teasing out the um, the issue of... I guess, work. Inf- I would have started with inflexible workplaces, but really it's a conundrum of having two working parents and trying to work out how and who looks after the children and all the other things that go along with that. We often, Marion, talk about workplaces needing to be more flexible, but do we all need to shift the way we think about work? I mean, we've just been speaking about that horrible um, irony about trying to get women back in the workforce and then underpaying other women to look after our yeah. our children. Is this just a huge societal shift that <laughs> it's going to take a long time to get to?
1: Wow, that's a big question, Siobhan. Um, I, I do think um, we are in a phase of major transformation of the concept of work. And I say that as a An educator in that field. Um, But I don't think this means women will work less. Uh, I think that we will see men and women working more and for longer periods in our lives. And conceivably, what we um, have to think about, especially for women whose career paths are not linear, they are much more in and out of the workforce, um, uneven flows typically starting with full-time work, then going into part-time work, then maybe a few extra hours. And then by the time women are in their 50s now, Australian women have returned to full-time work. And that's a very big shift. And what I'm getting to here is at that end of our life, sort of cycle, we then have parental care or elder care as well. And we may need nannies to help us with that also. I mean and there is actually a huge pressure. We don't call them nannies, we tend to call them carers, but in home care for across the sort of life cycle is now a critical issue in Australia. Workplaces to come to that issue have responded fairly positively, I think, to mothers having children in terms of leave, taking the leave, put aside the discrimination that goes on, and we know that still goes on. But the sort of concept of maternity leave and parental leave in Australia is now embedded I suppose where the next sticking point is is the period when you ret- when a mother returns to work and tries to juggle exactly the things you're saying childcare of young children and her career, um, and what is happening in Australia is that a lot of women are absorbing they're the shock absorbers for the system, so they're putting their own careers on hold. Often, we do know from the data they eliminate all leisure. Or personal time from their own lives. So any spare time is spent either in childcare activities or domestic activities or market based work activities. Um, now, at some point in people's lives, that all becomes a bit too stressful. And too much and I think we need to facilitate some movement out of that for the whole of the country we all absorb it in our own families in our own households and women absorb it most of all we know from or any survey you do on the standard question I always feel pressed or rushed for time women will say yes that is our lives at the moment um, how long can we bear that for well, we have we because we absorb a lot of it ourselves. So we almost need I think a community we need an uprising of women to say we won't take that any longer. We need a shift. We Hurrah. need more support. We do need something Let's to shift. Let's make this a call to action. Dial. Yeah.
0: Anyone listening? Louise, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, times up. I will agree. Uh, One of the other things is that grandparents aren't as readily available because they're back in the the workforce. I think that we really do need a radical shift. And the radical shift has probably got to start with both sides of the working parents. I think uh, there are a lot of statistics that show that women are still picking up most of the worry about who's going to do the childcare. And that's certainly borne out with the people that we speak to on the phone, 11 twelfths of the time, it's the women who see it as their responsibility and who worry about it. I think we do need to see um, couples working out, aside from childcare, housework and everything else. I think that we don't need to lean totally on the government to fix this problem and make it affordable. I think there needs to be a radical shift in corporations And they need to think about what happens when women go back to the workforce. You know, I've run my business for 30 years and I have seen some changes and some good things over 30 years. We've had, uh, usually it's for partners and executives, but we've had firms come to us and say, we're going to pay for the childcare for the first year. We're going to put in a household manager while the usually the woman. And it would be great if we got to the point where they were thinking about this for the men too. Uh, the woman's got to go overseas to a conference. We want to make sure the, the teenagers are being looked after as well. But I really think corporations have got to think of a new way of doing it because I think it is unsustainable.
0: Yeah, and, I'll agree with that. <laughs> it definitely feels unsustainable. Listen, I appreciate your time, both of you. It. I didn't, I didn't expect that we would find the answers, but uh, you have given us a lot to think about. And I think it's a call for arms. I think mm-hmm. you're right. We should all be thinking of a different way of doing things. Louise, Marion, thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. Thank you. That's Louise Dunham. She's a CEO of Placement Solutions, which is a nanny recruitment agency. And Marion Baird, who's the Professor of Gender and Employment Relations at the University of Sydney. Mm-hmm.